everybody, and welcome to Sharing Everything. I'm Joe. I'm Katie. And our last name is collectively Balecki, and that is because why? We're married. To each other, even. Wow. Yes, that is generally how it works when two unrelated people decide to get hitched. They do, in fact, generally share the same last name. This is the show called Sharing Everything, and it's the show where we make each other watch movies that we like. Yes. Um, and and for for the uninitiated, that means uh, we each take turns. Mm-hmm. One one episode, one person picks a movie that they enjoy, and attempts to show it to the other person so that they might enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we pick movies that we that neither of us end up enjoying. <clears throat> Uncle Nino. Uncle Nino. And and also Guardians of the Galaxy a little bit. You didn't like that one either? I mean, I think I'm just getting tired of that. I feel you. Um, and sometimes we watch movies that we both end up loving. Frank. Frank. And sometimes we watch movies that halfway through the other person says, I hate this movie, and proceeds to shut down for the rest of the night. <laughs> Katie, what movie did I make you watch this episode? We watched Only God Forgives. Yep. Mm-hmm. And? And? And. And. Did you like it? Not especially. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who saw that one coming? All right. Well, what's this movie about? Give me a very condensed, like Campbell's tomato soup condensed. <laughs> if, if I were to pour your your words out of a can they would they would be can shaped rather than liquid like give me a very short description of what this movie is about so no liquid is what you're saying no liquid okay so it takes place in i believe thailand Mm -hmm. bangkok bangkok Mm -hmm. and um ryan gosling is like a drug dealer smuggler guy named julian Mm -hmm. um his brother is killed at the beginning of the movie after he does some shady things Mm -hmm. kind of like you know wanting to have sex with a 14 year old um so he gets killed um and then julian sort of beats up the guy who did it or the guy yeah the guy who did it i'm very i've he beats up somebody Mm -hmm. um and then his mother comes to town yep she's like this drug kingpin like queen pin is that a thing queen pin drug queen pin sure i mean she's used the correct pronouns yeah um and she basically says you're my least favorite son out of the two of you Mm -hmm. and um are you gonna kill the guy who killed your brother because your brother would have killed the guy had you been the one who died mm-hmm. um and he just kind of is like no <laughs> well yeah he says it's not that simple yeah um then there's like a shady police officer okay there is a police officer he's not shady whether or not he's shady is, is up for debate okay debatably shady okay um uh some things happen the mom gets murdered mm-hmm. um then at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ryan Gosling gets his arms cut off mm-hmm. by the, the debatably shady police guy. And there you go. There's your no liquid summary of Only God Forgives. Yes. Okay. So essentially it's a revenge movie. Yes. It's a Western set in Bangkok. Okay. Um, which, which uh, so, so 
I don't know how deep I want to get into it. So here we go. Here's something. This is this is what I've been practicing in my head all day, so I might as well say it. Mm-hmm. When I complain about movies being bad, specifically movies that people like, such as Ghostbusters, the new Star Wars movie, things like that. What what are my big points of of why I didn't like it? Um when they do humor that doesn't make you think where they kind of just give you the whole joke okay um when they spoon feed you every detail of the story Mm -hmm. um and characters you don't care about yeah primarily i think that my my big complaints are i didn't care about the characters and um the story wasn't very good okay which leads me to my next question Katie, yep. why do I like this movie? The movie in which nobody talks, mm-hmm. hardly at all. Correct. Uh, a lot of times it's really easy to lose track of what's going on. Yes. If something is happening for real or not really happening or both. Yep. Um, and is is fairly, fairly long. Um, Because you have the hats for Ryan Gosling. Do you think there's another reason why I might like this movie? Because I didn't particularly like The Notebook. Like, he didn't save The Notebook for me. Mm, no. Well, he did look really weird in that movie. Yeah, that was, that was pre some some surgeries, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think you liked this movie because the lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, for some reason, like Westerns. I don't know why. Okay. You like revenge stories, as we found out with that really dumb... Unforgiven. Yep, that movie. There's, look at the theme too forgiveness hmm um and you like uh nicholas winding raffin mm-hmm. um who, who directed the film for yep. those who don't know um man like i honestly i am not entirely sure why you like this movie okay please tell me okay so this is this is where we get into into a little thing called artist intent right okay um and this is this is again where i look kind of like a hypocrite like i do with complaining <laughs> that rogue one has characters i don't care about mm-hmm. and then liking only god forgives wherein our protagonist really only says 17 lines is that really the number 17 so he speaks 17 separate times wow and and most of those lines are very short yep um I'm also going to look like a hypocrite because sometimes I don't care about artist intent and sometimes I do. Okay. And really what it comes down to is do do I respect the artist's intent? Which is really kind of unfair, <laughs> but whatever. I'm consuming once once you put art out into the world, it becomes the property of the audience and not you anymore. Uh I can dig it. So uh Nicholas Reffin, his his intent is that movies be one not cut and dry that there can be some interpretation there two i think that they're more about feeling and discovering um and three his his intent is 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 more he he enjoys more the making of the movie than the final product of the movie Mm -hmm. this is something he's he's sort of alluded to in in different interviews and and whatnot that he doesn't like really enjoy watching his films once they're finished because at that point it's done so he likes process over product yes okay yeah um 
Whereas a movie like Rogue One or Ghostbusters or any sort of like blockbustery sort of movie, the artist's intent is to get a lot of people to see it and mm-hmm. talk about how good it is. Um, and a lot of times, like that, just doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's it's not necessarily enough for me. Um, and then we could get into a whole big long conversation about like, are all movies art or are some movies just content? You know, like. Are our big action blockbusters supposed to be art? Yes. Yes. You you think so? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think everything that a person sets out to create using creativity becomes art. Doesn't matter what the final finished product is because while they're making it, they are artists. Okay. So like this podcast, you would say this is art. Sure. Okay. Would you? Uh, I don't know. Is, is it content or is it art? I don't. I don't. Why can't particularly it be both? Know. I, it can be. Why can't it not be? Because you were setting it up as a dichotomy, but it's not. Oh, well, it doesn't. It doesn't it have to be. It can serve more than one purpose. Sure. I I'm, I think it's art. It's something that we created. Okay. And something we put work into. Okay. Which is what you can say about all movies. Sure. And like you said, that once the thing is finished, it's not up to the creator anymore. It's up to the audience to make of it what they want to. Mm -hmm. So I always have this thing where like every movie is somebody's favorite movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, it doesn't matter if you think it was the stupidest movie in the world. Somebody is sitting at home with their DVD copy of Uncle Nino and watching that weekly. And, and, and crying once they hear this podcast. Yeah. So, like, if it was intended to be, like, an offering of some sort of creativity, I think it's art. And I think everything that somebody makes is art. So, pretty much everything is art, if you ask me. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I think everything is art, even, like, math. That's art. Okay. It's an art I'm not good at whatsoever, Mm -hmm. but it's art because somebody is taking numbers and making something out of them. Mm Mm-hmm. I think everything is art. There we go. Podcast over. All right. Sick. (laughs) Dope. Um... So I guess I haven't really answered your question as to why I like this movie. Yeah. Why do you like this movie? Uh, Because it makes me feel things. What sort of things? Uh, It makes me feel like wonderment. I get really involved in the world. I'm I'm really interested in what happens. um, Partially because of the lighting and the pacing. Because it feels, it looks kind of like the world that I know. But it's kind of different. It's kind of like watching a fairy tale to me. Um, and that's interesting. It's kind of a fantasy, but there's really no magic or anything. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's reality, but it's not. It's, it could be reality, but it's not. Yeah. It's, it's this hyper reality, Mm -hmm. um, which, which I like because I'm also into like surreality. Um, which again, like you can say, well, Joe, you don't like when there's a movie and there's something that's not explained and they hand wave it away while it's a movie. Um, and to that I say, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's it's really nuanced is, is what it comes down to. And so really anything I say, like, for this movie uh, could be said about any, any movie that I don't like, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what it comes down to is I enjoyed it 
and I enjoyed it enough that I'm willing to defend pretty much every part of it. And that makes it successful to me. Mm-hmm. I think the fact, too, that this movie is so polarizing mm-hmm. is really good. And if if something is polarizing to a point where, like, you show it at a place like Cannes, where it's, like... That's where the art movies get shown. That's, like, mm-hmm. you know... That that's where the movie where the movies that are are made as like craft rather rather than revenue streams mm-hmm. get get shown, and when the first showing ends and there's booze and cheers, that's really fascinating to me. That's really interesting to me. And if a movie is polarizing like that, I'm willing to at least respect it. Um just based on that mm-hmm. um, because that just means that the person making the movie took chances so I can respect the movie maker more okay. um, rather than something like a summer blockbuster movie where it's shot and the director and the writer have collaborated on something and are trying to make a product and then it goes through 16 executive producers that work for a giant corporation and they say okay we need to reshoot 60 percent of this movie in two months because it comes out in three um because this movie is to this it's not enough this we need some more wacky characters we need darth vader killing people with lightsabers like we, we need this so that money can be made and um for the most part nicholas winding reffin's movies make money mm-hmm. not a whole lot of movie money um, but they make money. There was an interview I watched him, and he was talking to film students who were asking him questions. And they're like, how do you get the courage to take all these chances? And he says, well, there's a couple different paths you can go on as a filmmaker. You can make something good that makes a lot of money. You can make something good that doesn't lose money. You can make something bad that makes a lot of money. Or you can make something bad that loses money. Or you can make something good that loses money. Or you can make something bad that mm-hmm. evens out, too. And where he is, is he's he makes what he thinks, for the most part, are good movies that don't lose money. Mm-hmm. And that's enough to sustain you as a filmmaker forever. Mm-hmm. Like You will not ever lose the ability to make a feature-length movie that is shown in theaters. You're going to sneeze. Oh, she's going to sneeze. Stop it. Oh, I lost it. Oh, she lost it. Um, Sorry. That's fine. So I don't know. Like, I just, re- I respect him as a filmmaker and I respect Ryan Gosling as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respect Cliff Martinez as a composer and I respect the cinematographer as a cinematographer. Like, all of the people who worked on this movie in some sort of major capacity, I respect them at their own individual craft enough that when everything comes together, it just creates something that I very, very, very much respect. Um, And because I can respect it a whole bunch, I tend to enjoy it more. Um, When I took this jazz history class in college, the professor was talking about free jazz Mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't like because it just sounds like six people in a room not listening to each other and doing whatever they want. And he kind of described it as like music for musicians Mm -hmm. because it sounds so weird like it sounds like the drummer's just doing whatever he wants but if you can understand drumming at a certain level you can say oh all those things that he's doing there are really cool ideas Mm -hmm. um and that's sort of what these types of movies are for me 
like not that I'm 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 a filmmaker or anything, but I I understand film at a certain level that it's like oh that thing you did is cool. Yeah. And the more I read into the movies, and more I realize that like oh, most of the things that most of the rooms that they shot in, they didn't bring in all that much equipment. They didn't bring in a lot of different lights. This is the lighting that was in there, and they used their skills as set dressers and cinematographers to make this beautiful thing, which is really, really, uh, really, really cool in in my mind when you're making a, a Re- Avengers movie for $200 million and it just kind of looks unimpressive to mm-hmm. me. So. But, but with all that, you didn't particularly like the movie? No. Um, kind of go into into detail why. Um, to me, this movie did not have a lot of story. Mm-hmm. Um, it did not have a lot of dialogue. It did not have a lot of characterization. It didn't have a lot of really any of the things that I look for in a movie, like the things that compel me to enjoy a story, were not there. Um, And that's not to say there wasn't any characterization, there wasn't any story. It's just that what was there was not my cup of tea, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, but the thing is, like, I feel like this movie wasn't enough, kind of. Okay. Um, Like, it felt very surfacey to me surface level okay um because i lost track of everything so quickly because like i didn't care enough about it to i guess stay in tune with what's going on on the screen um and i think that that's because like i had no reason to care about julian i had no reason to care about the guy who died because all i know is that he was a pedophile and i didn't really have like, I didn't really care about Mai, even though we're supposed to, like, feel bad for her and stuff. But, like, I didn't really get a lot of anybody. Um, the story, like, I'm just not a fan of, like, revenge Western stories. Like, to me, that's... I think it has to be something special in order to make me care about it. Because all of the movies like that I've ever seen, I'm just kind of like, okay. Um... I don't know. Uh, well, there's violence and gore and that stuff I'm not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Like, going into this movie, like, I kind of had, I think, higher expectations. Um, just because, well, like, as I was talking about before we did the show, that we've seen, I've seen, what, like, four of his movies now? Maybe three? Um, you've seen th- three. And... Like, I still only like the first one I saw, which was Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we watched the, uh, Neon Demon was the other one that we saw. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't love that movie, but there were things about it that I really enjoyed. Um, where, but in this movie, like, I didn't get any of that. Okay. Like, I didn't... Like, I mean, it looked cool. Mm-hmm. That's that's about all it had going for me was that there's cool lighting stuff. There was some cool, like, visual tricks. There was some cool visual, a little bit of visual. Um, can't think of the word I'm thinking of. But like you said earlier, where you can't tell if something is actually happening or not. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and there's interesting, like, 
story mechanics where you can't tell exactly is this linear is this not linear mm-hmm. um like there's the karaoke thing that happened towards the beginning and then it happened at the end and in the middle it happened three times okay um and then there's the weird thing where when we see ryan gosling watching my dance or whatever mm-hmm. like it's sort of like looks like it's a um, amalgamation what does that mean is that the word i'm looking for like an amalgamation of like every single time he's ever watched her dance mm-hmm. which was kind of cool i like that actually because like it feels like he cha- like the scenery changes behind him like he's sitting in the same position every time mm-hmm. but there's like a different background I, he might have been wearing different clothes mm-hmm. um so stuff like that is cool i enjoy um sort of unique things like that um but for the most part, I feel like the story was actually pretty linear. And then, like, the like the weird things we were getting could have been because of drugs. Because everyone in this movie was, like, a drug dealer or user. So, like, weird things that happened. Like, that room, that hallway outside of his apartment or hotel or whatever that was with that red wallpaper with mm-hmm. the weird design on it. That showed up a whole bunch of different times. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't figure out what that was. What was that? Can you tell me what that yep. was? So I watched the director commentary, and that is a mixture of both what is actually happening and like what is happening inside Ryan Gosling's mind. Okay. So it's sort of like seeing it from his perspective. It's it's that like heightened reality thing again, mm-hmm. right? So it's a lot of it's in slow motion, and it is that really stylized stark red. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so yes, it's one of those things where it's yes dream sequence and reality so he okay. actually he actually goes to see his mother in that room mm-hmm. um and she's staying at the at the boxing ring with him or, or like that's where he lives in that boxing ring so she's in his room and mm-hmm. she goes um so i guess my my sort of question is like how hard are you willing to work for a movie um that is a good question. I tend to, unless I'm really in the mood for like a thinky type movie, I sort of tend to fall toward like comedies and like romantic dramas and stuff where it's like more emotional and less like critical thinking to understand the story. Um, I think if it were a movie that I knew sort of what the story was, like I'd heard a lot of stuff about it and that like, I don't know if this is a great example, but we saw Arrival. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that was one of those movies where you kind of had to have, like, a heightened, like, watching of it mm-hmm. in order to fully grasp everything that was going on. And that was awesome. That was a wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. So, I think there's just so many factors. I guess maybe I'm pickier than I thought I was. Okay. Um, Like, if there's, like an actor in it i really enjoy if there's i don't know like a setting or an era or something that i really enjoy like i think i'll put more effort into watching the movie but this it's like it's kind of like a weird like i'm picturing like a seesaw in my head okay where one side that's up is like oh maybe i'll like this movie as much as i like drive so it's up there a little bit Mm -hmm. and then down here is like oh i really don't like this story this is kind of boring to me and it's Mm -hmm. sort of like doesn't ever really even out like mm-hmm. it's always just like eh, i don't really like this movie so yeah i don't know okay so that, 
that's interesting and and it's fair like obviously i'm not going to do the whole like you got to be willing to work real hard and, and pick out all the symbolism and stuff um and maybe it's because this is, this was like my fifth time watching the movie mm-hmm. um but i don't think it's that hard to 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 pick apart like what the characters are doing i don't think you necessarily need the dialogue to be super um explanatory mm-hmm. expository <clears throat> um like obviously they they never really say it but obviously the mother was having a sexual relationship with her two sons yeah sort of an oedipal thing except yeah because he killed his dad didn't he mm-hmm. oh okay yeah so so that's the thing and and they allude to he killed his dad with his bare hands, mm-hmm. which is why throughout the movie he's like looking at his hands like they don't belong to him. And then they get cut off. At and the then end. they get cut off at the end, mm-hmm. right? Like it's so it's it's one of those things where like you have to kind of think about it and talk about it afterwards because yeah. during like there's not that much, so you need to pick it out. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why I like movies like this is because I like art that makes me think about it after it's done, mm-hmm. you know. And um. So during the director commentary that I watched, the director talks about how the police officer character Mm -hmm. who goes through and is um, basically killing all of the people who are coming after him. Every hit attempt that they sent out, he he kills them and um, ends up being responsible for Ryan Gosling's brother's death, Mm -hmm. his mother's death, Mm -hmm. and his hands being cut off. They allude to the fact that he is he is either God or the devil or both. Hmm. Um, so I guess we can rewind. the The point of this movie is Nicholas Reffin wanted to make a western in Asia. Okay. He he's been to Bangkok a whole bunch and loves it there. So he wanted to be there for an extended period of time and making a movie there was a good reason to, especially since his wife and daughter didn't particularly want to live there for six months, but he said, well, we're making a movie. Mm -hmm. And um, two, he wanted to make a movie about a man who wanted to fight God. Hmm. Which is, Ryan Gosling is the man, and the the Asian actor is is God. Mm -hmm. Which is why during their one actual fight scene, he never lands a hit on him because he's God. And, and why at the end he sort of submits to him and offers up his hands and says, you know, here you go. Um, so it's one of those things where, like, obviously the characters aren't super, super deep. They're not these, like, complex living people. They're, they're images of archetypes. Mm-hmm. You know, Kristen Scott Thomas, who plays the mother, is, is, like, the controlling parent. The sort of, you know like the master who who appears more imposing than god and things like that but i mean even at the beginning of the movie before the brother dies um he says to ryan gosling time to meet the devil oh yeah i forgot so that's uh, that's like one of those lines that you could just be like art art Mm -hmm. movies oh my god like that's the most pretentious thing you could say it means nothing um but what Nicholas Reffin in the commentary was talking about was like that could mean a whole bunch of different things depending on how you view the movie like he's going to meet the devil because he basically ends up getting himself killed without really much um anything Mm -hmm. 
could be that Ryan Gosling is going to meet the devil and that the mother's going to end up coming back or, or the policeman or blah, 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 blah. Right. So, so there is that there and there, there are some, some interesting characterizations with the mother. There's interesting characterizations with the police officer who has a wife and child and he lives out in the countryside mm-hmm. and his child at the beginning of the movie. I don't know if you caught this. He, he's reading a children's book with her and there's like a conflict happening in the children's book. And she says something like, well, we can achieve peace by all being nice to each other and working together. Uh. And, um, <laughs> you know, obviously. So... Sometimes I'm willing to work really hard for a movie if it seems like it's worth it. Mm -hmm. I also think that the movie just visually didn't even need it. I remember writing a Facebook post after watching it the first time talking about how it was essentially an evolving painting for me. Mm. And that that's all I wanted it to be. And that's all I needed it to be. And at the time, that's all it was. Mm -hmm. It was just reds and blues and yellows. And it was slow moving and beautiful. And the music was so good. And it was a nice break from just Hulk punching people through buildings. Yeah. Which is really the only movies I had been watching up until that point or around that time. So lots of movies like that were coming out. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. I I also like movies that don't necessarily have answers and drop hints just to drop hints. Mm-hmm. David Lynch does that a lot, mm-hmm. and we and we all know how much I love David Lynch. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I I guess my point. I guess my what I was trying to get at was just like how ethereal can a movie be for you before you just completely check out um i guess like you said i have to feel like it's worth it um i'm trying to think of like a movie like that that i've really enjoyed where it's kind of like yeah what's what's the most artsy movie that you like oh i don't know i'd really have to rack my brain for that or or even tv show um Jeez, ah, I feel like I was supposed to prepare for this or something. Or, or even music, <laughs> like, like what's the most difficult piece of art you've ever really enjoyed that your husband has not made? <laughs> um, so well, there goes all my answers. You can even you could even name a book, like book, painting, song, artist. Man, I don't know. Um, I'm not really good with on the spot stuff. Um, man, everything I've been watching lately has felt so easy. So I'm trying to like rack my brains because that's what I want when I want like, like for some reason in the winter, I'm always drawn to like comfortable things Hmm. where it's just kind of like, I don't really want to think. I just want to watch and be enveloped in coziness. Um, I'm so the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, we're very different. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, I guess, like, I enjoy Twin Peaks. Okay. Um, I like, I like the sort of, I could go for, like, some sci-fi stuff where it's kind of, like, that doesn't seem possible, but here it is. Um, I sort, like, I do sort of, like, I'm into mysteries. I'm into stuff where you don't get all the answers. Um, 
so it's really like on a case-by-case basis for me Mm -hmm. where whether or not i'll enjoy something like like i'm into like quirky stuff like um pushing daisies and Mm -hmm. i don't know just i don't know how to answer your question (laughs) okay i mean yeah it's, it's that's a question i ask people i i am just meeting for the first time sometimes mm-hmm. like if we're talking about music i say like what what is the most difficult type of music that you like mm-hmm. and generally people take a while to think of them and they're like i don't know like i guess i kind of like danny brown who's <laughs> like just your standard rapper but he has a kind of nasally voice i hate his voice so much <laughs> but no one's ever like you know i really i really enjoy pop music mostly but God damn if I don't love Mersbau too. Like I don't know what it is. Just every once in a while, you know, like <laughs> oh man, you know I'm I'm really into stuff like the Lumineers and Judah and the Lion and Ra Ra Ra. But every once in a while, I just need to listen to Gorgoroth. You know, like that that, that doesn't happen very often. I think this could be way off, but I feel like people feel the need to be able to put themselves into a box. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when somebody asks them a question like that, they sort of try to come up with, like, their standard answer. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think I do that when people ask me what kind of music I like. I'm like, well, I'm really into, like, indie, folk, pop kind of stuff. And that's pretty much all I'll listen to. Sometimes I'll branch out a little bit. But I really just like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like... I think people try to play into like when they're meeting somebody for the first time they try to like play into their the person's expectations Mm -hmm. just because they don't want to like have somebody say wow that's really weird if they like something that's really weird Mm -hmm. i don't know like i really tend to focus on when people ask me oh what kind of movies do you like what kind of music do you like what kind of books do you read like i tend to focus on the things that everybody knows just so we have that common ground of talking about it Mm -hmm. i don't know that was a tangent. Yeah. Well, I I think that's an important thing, too. And probably is getting at why I have no friends. Because when people are like, <laughs> oh, what books do you like? I'm like, oh, my God, have you read Blake Butler? <laughs> and they're like, no, what does he write about? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> He's got this book, There Is No Year, and he doesn't name any of the characters, and nothing makes sense. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. okay. Well, what, what kind of music are you into? And I'm like, I'm really into drone music right now. Oh, oh, that's cool. What is that? It's just one note for an hour. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. And then, and then the conversation ends, and I, I am left alone at the bar again. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess that's just why I have no friends and why everyone l- thinks you're delightful. <laughs> because i don't know how to open up to people i have no in-depth answers for anyone you you give them the answers they want (laughs) anyway can we talk about something about this movie that was really bothering me for the first part of the movie when i was actually really super paying attention yeah how is this movie not considered cultural appropriation yeah why do you think it's cultural appropriation because you take a white family you mm-hmm. transport them into the middle of bangkok and you make the movie about them with all of the background and all of the supporting characters are the actual people who live in this place where you're filming this movie because mm-hmm. i love taylor swift mm-hmm. i am the vanilla girl who loves to bop to taylor swift in the car mm-hmm and i remember we were in the car driving and i was we were driving you to the geek group and 
I was... <laughs> Where we, were we going there together? Um, I think your car was in the shop or something. I don't know. But I specifically Weird. remember dri- we were driving to the geek group. We were driving down Leonard. And we were talking about Shake It Off. Because that's a song that mm-hmm. came on the CD. And we're talking about the music video. Mm-hmm. And I was saying... You know, I really enjoyed this music video. Like it was, it, like it's not, it doesn't have a story. It's just you know people having fun dancing around, mm-hmm. shaking it off. And then I'm describing the video, and I think you had seen it, mm-hmm. and you're like, no, but that's cultural appropriation because she's just got black girls just in the movie or in the music video so they can twerk mm-hmm. for the song. And then that kind of made me think, huh? Maybe you're right. Maybe that's not the greatest thing. Maybe she should not have you know chosen to include that but then i was trying to wrap my head around it and like is that worse or better than not having black people in her video like i was like it brought me down this rabbit hole and i'm just kind of like where what what is the right answer here should she have had white people twerking because that would have been cultural appropriation too should she have had black people dancing but not twerking like there's a lot more dance styles that black people are I know, are but when for. this video came out, twerking was the thing. Well, that's, that's the thing, though, right? So, but <laughs> one, one, she can't win. Mm-hmm. She, she's at a point, and, and so my political views have, have become a lot more um, left libertarian than authoritative left. Okay. Um, since then. Mm-hmm. So I'm a lot more like, well, individuals are more important than groups. And maybe that'll change in another year or so or whatever. But at this point, my, my views have sort of changed. Um, what liberals really love to do is demonize white liberals. Oh my God, yeah. do they love it. You know what liberals love and why they can't win elections is because they love demonizing people who are on their team. Yeah. That's why you can't win. It's, it's <laughs> really a big part of why Hillary lost is because liberals just love hating other liberals. Because liberals are really just terrible, shitty, awful people who have realized that things like racism exist. Mm-hmm. And are going to use that as a way of making themselves feel better about themselves without actually working on themselves. Okay. Because it's really easy to say, that's racist, and then feel all nice and superior. Yep. Which is which is what damn near everyone who voted for Hillary did. So, anyway, Taylor Swift can't win. Correct. Two, there's that dichotomy that you brought up. It's like, well, she can't just, like not have black people in it because she would have showcased all these dancing styles and everyone would have said, well, where, where are all the the dance styles that black people created? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's sort of the way that people think is like, well, she's, she's like, obviously the black people are going to have to be twerking if they're going to be in the music video where people are dancing. It's like, well, no, like they could be crumping. They could be break dancing. They could be doing some other sort of B-boy thing. Like there's a lot of, a lot of dance styles that black people created, Mm -hmm. even, even though twerking was a thing. And, she could have handled it differently, and I haven't seen the music video in years, so like I have no idea how appropriative that really is. But you bring up a good a good point in in questioning why is this movie not cultural appropriation? And I think the answer I gave you during the movie because I was trying to make you pay attention to the movie and was well, we'll talk about it during the podcast. Yeah, but before that, I said like, well, they're getting paid or something, right? Yeah, but that's like, that doesn't make it better. Because Taylor Swift's dancers got paid to be in her video. Do you know that? Yes, I know that. Really? 
Why wouldn't they? Where, where did you read that they got paid? I didn't. But okay. anyway. What so so you, you can't actually prove that they got paid. I can't. But what I'm saying is how does paying them to do their culturally specific thing make it any better? It's more it's exploiting them. Like they're getting paid for it. Sure. But they're still like, OK, you have to be in the shot so that we can film you doing your thing just because we want it in our movie. Okay. So, and that wasn't really a good thing, a, a good point, because I wasn't thinking about it at that point. I was just listening to the movie. So, let's compare it to the Shake It Off video, right? Mm-hmm. Where she has, she has to have twerking in the video because twerking is the big thing, and so she's going to put black people twerking. Mm-hmm. So, the only reason that the black people are there is so that there can be twerking, um, whereas in, the, in Only God Forgives... It's set in Asia because he wanted to make a movie set in Asia. It wasn't like, well, Asia's the big thing right now, so in order to make money on my movie, I need to set it in Asia. Two, um, the police character is actually, according to a lot of the things that I sort of gathered during the director commentary, was actually more of a protagonist in his mind Mm -hmm. as he was directing it. Um... And he goes back to Valhalla Rising and Drive, which are the two movies that came out before that, where the two main characters weren't really named, mm-hmm. and neither is this police character, um, and also that he made him God. Three, the the Asian actors aren't doing, like, Asian people things, right? Like, they're, they're living out their lives in the town in which they live. Mm-hmm. Like, there's... You don't see them... In a monastery, praying to Buddha, you don't see him pounding sake. Or you don't hear the gong come fu. on every time Flora comes on the screen in Canada's Worst Driver Eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's none of that weird like holy okay. Yodel that but happens. then, like, I understand that. Okay. And I get it, and I say, yeah, that's true. However, why couldn't he have cast Asian actors and Ryan Gosling in his mother's roles, like? What was the purpose of having this white family living in Bangkok and being drug dealers? Like, why would they be white? If he's filming in Bangkok, he's got, you know, typical Asian Mm -hmm. everything, except for this white family is who he chooses to make the movie about. Why? Well, one, they're the bad guys. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And two, like, that's what happens in life. Um, white people love going down to Asia and exploiting the people there. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out white people be colonial. <laughs> Tur- turns out, you know, like, um, wow, just, that was a lot of filler words right, right in a <laughs> row. I, I guess like, so he wanted to cast unknown actors kind of throughout, um, and only ended up hiring, Ryan Gosling and Kristen Scott Thomas because he couldn't find people to play in those roles. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess my, my answer for you is they're the bad guys, so I guess it doesn't matter to me. And two, um, that's just what happens. Um, I don't find the movie culturally appropriative because there's nothing in the movie that feels exploitative of that culture to me. Um, like it wasn't a big deal that it was in Bangkok, 
you know mm-hmm. there there wasn't like those like pan like helicopter shots of whatever landmarks there might be in there and like it felt very gritty and real like a person who lived there would shoot it you know mm-hmm. it didn't feel to me like some american director went down to a place just because it was cheap to film there mm-hmm. part of the reason he shot there was because it was cheap to film there but at the same time he's still pouring a bunch of money right. billion, you know at least a million dollars into this community yeah um most of most of the Asian actors were fairly unknown, mm-hmm. so he was giving people their big break, which which is a big deal, you know. Like he was showing their faces a lot more than their butts. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is kind of unrelated, but okay. kind of related. I want to how we were talking about how liberals always like to point a finger at other liberals for being bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was on BuzzFeed the other day. Wow. <laughs> um, and there's this article which compiled um, some of the winners of... Okay, so some wedding website mm. has like a contest sure. where photographers submit their best wedding photo that they took in 2016. Oh my God, were all the best ones white people? No. Oh. Um, so I think the actual list was like the like not the list on buzzfeed but the actual contest had like the top 60 wedding photos and so buzzfeed took like 10 of them and Mm -hmm. put them in an article and said here are some of these click here to go see the rest of them so i scroll down to the comments which is a terrible idea on buzzfeed never read buzzfeed comments any website (laughs) um um and so some people are like of course wow these are such beautiful photos these photographers are amazing and then you get down to this comment saying these are great photos. I love that they have people of all colors. I love that they have um, heterosexual couples and they have gay couples. But I'm wondering, why do they not have any lesbian couples? And then people are just jumping on this person. But like, they're saying things like, this is just a sampling. If you click on the rest of them, there's going to be more photos. There will be a lesbian couple in there. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but that really made me think like i just rolled my eyes so hard at that comment when i read it because like somebody said not everything has to be 100 percent inclusive all the time because that is not genuine yeah and i'm like yes exactly and then i started thinking to myself wait a second was everybody right when they said you'd become a little bit more conservative when you grow up because but the thing is like I'm still, yay, everybody happy, everybody be gay if you want to, and all this kind of stuff. But then I just sort of get... Are you are you calling being gay a choice? <sighs> but, like, we had this conversation probably about a month ago or so where this whole Tumblr social justice activism stuff is getting mm-hmm. really annoying. Yeah. Like, where everybody's like... Oh, if you're if you're a straight white person, you're the devil and everybody else is amazing and mm-hmm. you're only interesting if you like bi- non-binary people or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like just all this stuff it's getting so obnoxious. Yeah. Everybody's trying to outdo each other. Yes. Well, that's what it is. Is is it's a lot of people trying to outdo each other. And also, I mean, part of it is some people are just getting on the inclusivity train mm-hmm. where we've been on it for a while. So yeah. let me be a, a leftist hipster mm-hmm. now. 
Uh, I was into communism in the sixth grade. All right. Like, I was reading Marx. I've been a socialist since I was four. I've been reading (laughs) Marx for a minute here. Um, But a a lot of that is coming from the learning that there's, like, systematic... Oppression. Oppression everywhere. Mm -hmm. There is. Yeah. Um, But what happens is... You, you learn that, you start to spot it, and then you put yourself into an echo chamber that's only places you agree with, but you're still spotting the systematic oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're doing is you're just yelling at symptoms. It's like there, there's oh. a wound, and you know there's a wound, and you're just screaming at the blood. Yeah. You're like, why are you blood? Stop being blood! And s- Instead of going to, like, I don't know, a white supremacist website <laughs> and, and yelling at them for being actually racist like like yeah people who are willing to call themselves white supremacists deserve <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of discourse to happen to them you know like there's a there's a thing there like obviously buzzfeed is on your side yeah really. buzzfeed is two things <clears throat> liberalism and clickbait yep and most of the times it's both of them yep um Anyway, so I don't know. Do you want to hear some trivia about this movie? Yeah, but I had one more thing. All right. Actually about the movie. Okay. Um, I think I actually mentioned it while it was happening. I was really irritated by how often people stood in the dark and talked to each other. Mm. Nobody does that in real life. No. You don't just stand in a dark room and have this very long, meaningful conversation. Mm -hmm. You would turn on a light or you would go into a different room where it's light. And then you get the already little shadows from the cutouts on the wall reflecting mm-hmm. on their face. And I'm just like, oh, this is so annoying. Anyway. I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. Like, I mean, it was beautiful, but like practically nobody would do that. And this, maybe this... This movie isn't trying to be practical, woman. <laughs> no. Okay. We just, spent 50 minutes talking about how this is not a practical movie. Just, just, just do your trivia. All right. Ryan Gosling only speaks 17 lines throughout the film. Yay. Um, so the... The police officer character, they call him Chang Mm -hmm. just because they need to call him something. Mm -hmm. Um, Chang's outfit in the movie is what retired... Oh, my God. Chang's outfit in the movie is what retired cops in Thailand wear. Hmm. Nicholas Winding Refid directed Vitaya Panzringarm, who who is the the cop. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed him by by whispering into his ear, "You are God." That's creepy. Nicholas Winding Refn got the idea for the film while his wife was pregnant with their second daughter. He felt very existentialistic and felt he had much anger and violence in him, but did not know how to let it out. Suddenly, he had the idea that the definite person to hold all the answers to existential questions and life's problems was God, and imagined himself having a physical fight with God. Production hit a snag when it became necessary to pay off the local authorities in order to get permission and protection to film at night, including firing gunshots for certain scenes. Refn and star Ryan Gosling were invited to a film festival in Thailand. After some negotiation and taxes, they received 90,000 USD in cash for showing up. Refn accounts in his commentary how, having never seen that amount of cash in his entire life, he enjoyed counting it out himself. It was enough to bribe the necessary authorities, and production continued. That's not shady at all. It's where they were shooting. <laughs> In his commentary, Raffin states that Bangkok is a radically different city depending on the time of day. If it is daytime, in his words, it's like Disneyland, but by night, however, things are far more sinister. Mm-hmm. 
Um, second film that he directed dedicated to Alejandro Jodorowsky after Drive, who is uh, a really weird director. <laughs> oh, he filmed his own biopic and starred in it. <laughs> wow, how egotistical can you be? <laughs> Nicholas Winding Refn's approach to the movie changed when his daughter saw a ghost in her room in Thailand. He said that in the West, they'd have locked him up if he said there was a ghost, but in the Orient, they called a shaman to make the spirit go away. He claimed that the experience made him realize the spirituality had another meaning in Asia, and that he wanted to make a movie with that kind of mysticism. According to Refn in a Q&A, uh, the infamous insult, Come Dumpster, was added in the movie after Ryan, late one night, or after Refn, late one night, asked Ryan Gosling to come up with a list of the most vile words you could say to a woman. That word was at the top of the list. Wow. Refn has hinted that One Eye from Valhalla Rising might appear in this film in a new reincarnation. Uh, Refn hinted that it might be Chang, which would make sense. Uh, the name Chang is Thai for elephant, considered a sacred animal in Thailand due to its place in Buddhist mythology as possibly being the father of Buddha itself. This is really funny. Ryan Gosling underwent rigorous Muay Thai training for two hours a day, four days a week, with Muay Thai master Q Puk and traditional and ate a traditional Thai diet to train for his role. And the one fight scene he's in, he gets his ass whooped. <laughs> yeah, why do you have to train for that? I don't know. Uh, but he's, he does to do that. He he goes in yeah. on his roles. He did that for La La Land, too. And there was a movie really early in his career that he envisioned the character being like 220 pounds or something and gained a bunch of weight hmm. and then got fired because the director was like, no, nah, the character doesn't look like that. <laughs> do you think he uh, he was that intense shooting Goosebumps? Might have been. Maybe he made a spiritual camera that made his <laughs> friends disappear. <laughs> Crystal, Julian's mother, is modeled after a Shakespeare character, Lady Macbeth, and fashion designer Donatella Versace. <laughs> oh, boy. Kristen Scott Thomas has her uh, has herself said she finds the movie very disturbing and hard to watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel ya. Refn said that Gaspar Noe's work was an inspiration during the making of the movie. The latter was seen visiting the set during the shooting in Bangkok. He has also special thanks in the credits. Let's... Well, <sighs> I hate Gaspar No. Really? He makes really shitty movies. Oh. It, like, someday we'll, we'll talk about how I hate the word pretentious. Gaspar No makes really fucking pretentious movies. <laughs> the film was largely shot chronologically, and scenes were often edited the day they were shot. Huh. Mm-hmm. The fight scene between Chang and Julian turned out differently in an earlier version of the script. Chang and Julian wore traditional clothes, and before fighting, they both performed a traditional dance. And at some point of the fight, Julian was winning until Chang says, I forgive you, and ends up beating Julian. Huh. Kind of glad that that didn't happen. I was thinking the same That, that would have been a little bit too much finger, finger yeah. on the nose. In an earlier version of the screenplay, Chang didn't use a sword. He used anything that was at his reach. Hmm. According to the director, the film is a thriller produced as a western all in the Far East with a modern cowboy hero. Luke Evans was originally cast in the lead role, but dropped out due to scheduling conflicts with The Hobbit, an unexpected journey, and Ryan Gosling replaced him. <laughs> in terms of the musical inspiration for the film, Refn refers to how much of an influence the scores of Bernard Herrmann were. For the temp score they edited the film to, they used Herrmann's score from The Day the Earth Stood Still from 1951, which Refn found out soon after is composer Cliff Martinez's favorite movie. Hmm. <laughs> 
So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Just one of those things where everyone's on the same wavelength. Yeah. Which is why I think the music is so good. Mm-hmm. The protagonist was originally British and rewritten as an American. The short sword that Chang wields seems to be a Kachin Da from the Yingpo or Kachin people who inhabit the Kachin Hills in northern Burma's Kachin state and neighboring areas of China and India. The name Da is used for a wide variety of knives and swords used by many people across Myanmar, Thailand, Yunnan, Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Um, the cinematographer Larry Smith has said that nearly the entire film was shot with practical lighting and that only one or two scenes were lit with traditional movie lights. Hmm. What we- other movie? Oh, um, The Witch was like that. Mm-hmm. Which they look way different. Yeah, they do. Swedish underground filmmaker Henrik Müller left the fil- or felt the film was too cynical and did not warrant anything more than a Pirate Bay download. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, it was Ryan Gosling's idea to open the stomach of Julian's dead mother. He had it after Nicholas Reffin asked him if he'd rather smile or cry after Julian's mom's death. He replied that he'd open her uterus to see what was inside. I have a feeling that Ryan Gosling is a really weird dude. I have a feeling he's really weird, too. (laughs) It's kind of scary. Because he looks like a normal, regular guy, but he's got some weird stuff going on. Yeah, well, all those weird things, like in Murder by Numbers, it was his idea to lick that woman's face right Mm -hmm. before she pushes him off the cliff. Like, the script was just like, hey, just kiss her. And he's like, nah, I'm gonna lick her face. (laughs) I'm gonna lick her face. Oh, my gosh. In the screenplay, there was another scene at the very end where... uh, my feeds putting to an armless Julian. Oh my god. <laughs> Although Ryan Gosling went under heavy Muay Thai training for his role, his character fails to land a single hit and is easily defeated by Chang. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's read some of the quotes. Wanna fight? Um... I was just kidding because I saw that. There's, there's, there's a, a lot of the lines come from the mother because she had most of the lines. Yeah, she did. Um, so let's go to our survey. Survey says. Let's see. This is gonna be awful. I'm not gonna be able to answer any yeah. of these. Which character do you think would be the most likely to help you out of a jam? My. Hmm. Okay. Pick three relevant items from this movie that you'd want with you if you were stuck on a deserted island. Were there any items in this movie? There's like a sword. I'll take a sword. Mm-hmm. There were some drugs. I don't want drugs. There was some money. I'll take... No, money's not going to do anything for me. Um. Uh. There was a gun. There were lots of guns. I guess I'm taking a whole bunch of weapons with me because that's pretty much all that was in this movie. There's a motorcycle. All right, I'll take that too. Motorcycle, gun, and his sword. Yep, there we go. All right. So that's it. Do you got anything else you want to say about this movie? Um, not really. No? No. <laughs> Do you feel as though our discussion of the movie um, either made you appreciate the movie more or uh do you think it would lead you to enjoying another movie like this more 
Um, I, I enjoyed our discussion. I really hadn't put together the whole Oedipal complex thing like I did, um, just earlier. Um, there were some things that like, I feel like if we were to talk more about some of the symbolism, I would probably get more out of it, but I don't know. I'm not really a big fan of this type of movie to begin with. Like if you could find a movie that's similar in like tone or whatever it's trying to do, but it's not like a revenge story, I might be more into okay. it. Well, you did say that you were you were more into Drive and the Neon mm-hmm. Demon than this movie. Yeah. And they're they're kind of the same sort of goals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what movie are you gonna make me watch next week? Or for next episode, because we haven't been very good at doing these episodes no. weekly. Um, I just decided right now. Good. We will be watching Now and Then. Now and Then? Mm-hmm. A movie about candy? No. What's it about? That's Now and Later. Oh, this is Now and Then. Now and Then. Okay. Okay. I, I look forward to, to watching it. I don't assume we have any emails. No, we do not. All right. I don't think so. Well, until then, keep talking, keep loving, and keep sharing. 